When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast where each week I discuss practical, simple, and scientifically backed up ways to help you take back control of your mental health. I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I'm so pleased you've joined me today. In this episode, I'm really excited because I'm going to be discussing a topic that is so relevant, so important, and needs to be discussed depression. I'm going to talk about what it is, what it really is, and how normal it is for us to experience depression, and that you can get different levels of depression. I'm also going to be interviewing someone who's very special in my life, my producer, Dominique, who's also my daughter. Just before we start, I just want to thank all of you again who have left a review and who've subscribed to this podcast and shared it on social media with friends and family. Keep doing that. Not only does your feedback help me improve each episode, but I just love seeing what you are learning and and all the key takeaways you have. And it really is encouraging and exciting. So don't forget to leave a review and tell more people about this podcast. Okay, let's begin. Depression. We've had so many scary messages about depression, that it's on the rise, that it's a mental illness. And you've heard me speak so much to this concept that depression is not an illness. It's not a disease of the brain. It's not some scary neuropsychiatric brain disease. It is very, very serious and it needs attention. But it doesn't need to be called a disease or an illness to be validated. Depression in itself is serious enough to be validated. It is something that needs attention because it is a mind issue. And as you've heard me explain multiple times, the mind and the brain are separate. And the mind is your 95 to 99% of who you are. And your brain and body are 1%. So to take something as massive as depression, which affects the 95 to 99%, and say that it's only a broken brain or part of the broken system in the 1% is really invalidating the experience. We need to pay attention to it because it is actually underlying so many other issues. Depression is, is what we call a comorbid factor, where it goes along with things like anxiety and high stress, toxic stress, not managing stress, Even various different things like we hear the labels of OCD, we hear psychotic breaks, all these things kind of work together. And the good news is that these are all normal. All of us as humans experience these. It's part of the human experience. I've experienced depression. Mild forms and larger forms of depression at various periods of my life. As has every other human being. 
these are not illnesses just for the select few. These are expressions, emotional warning signals. Depression is an emotional warning signal that something is going on in your life. It's very normal for humans, and I'm going to say this so many times, it's so normal for us as humans to experience depression. It's telling us that something is going on. So to take this huge word of depression and turn it into and reduce it down to being just a disease of a broken brain is actually very dehumanizing and I think actually quite insulting because it doesn't consider the person's context, their life, their story, and everything that they are going through that has resulted in them experiencing this feeling of depression, this feeling of just wanting to give up. We have to look at each individual person's story. We have to honor each person's narrative. There isn't a one-size-fits-all when it comes to depression. What we need to do is start noticing each other and really listening and solving problems together when it comes to things like depression. Undealt with depression is very serious. People can spiral down into a really bad state, even suicide. Slapping a label on, telling a person that they have a disease, giving them a medication or whatever, is not, is not listening to them. The research is very, very, very strong when it comes to say, showing that the best way to help people through depression is to be with them, to notice what they're going through to listen to them, to let them talk it through, to process this, this whatever it is that they're going through that has led to the feeling of depression or the emotional warning signal. To be there while they process and while they reconceptualize. So essentially, what we're going to be talking about today is a story of depression. Dominique's going to share her story and she's going to talk about how she acknowledged her depression how she processed her depression, and how she reconceptualized her depression, and how she sees this as part of her, uh, as, as part of normal life, and how she's learned to manage depression, and how it goes up and down. And that's kind of all of our stories. We all have our own unique story, but we've all experienced this to a certain extent. So, Dominique, thank you so much for not just being always behind the scenes producing these incredible podcasts and all the work you put in but thank you for coming out from the other side of the of the the, the microphone and actually sharing your story i'm incredibly proud of you i have learned so much from you and i'm just tremendously honored to be able to talk to you about such an important subject so thank you very thank you so much, Dom, for, for joining me today and, and actually being prepared to talk about such a deep and important subject and being so vulnerable. Yeah, well, it's exciting to finally be on on the podcast and not just behind it, producing and editing it. Um, and I think this is such a vital topic. And um, as a, I just want to say a quick note as a, the producer, this this whole interview was done via Skype with. Uh, Caroline being in Dallas and myself in Los Angeles. So please excuse the scratchy audio in some parts. But no, I'm very, uh, I'm excited. But at the same time, I think this is a very important topic that people really need to talk about and be open about mental health struggles. You know, as you said, one thing I actually had written this down as a note that I really wanted to stress before I get into my story of going through 
some really deep depression last year and how I got through that and just how I'm managing my emotions now. But one thing you said that I really want to highlight is that depression and these feelings, you know, anxiety, those kind of things, it's all ebbs and flows. And I really want people to understand that was a big factor that is that helped me get through my feeling, my episode of depression was understanding the bigger picture that these things do come and go. And sometimes life will be really hard and tough. And we need to understand that these dark periods are part of life. And if you learn up front how to, if you learn the physical, as I'll get into, as you learn uh, stress resilience tools, as Dr. Leaf gives in all her podcasts and her books and stuff, if you actually learn them and take them to heart, I promise you the periods of depression and bad mental health spells will go, you will recover a lot faster if you build up your stress resilience by taking into account and memorizing these stress resilience tools that are in all of Dr. Leaf's work and podcasts because they really helped me get through my hard times. And, you know, this is just part of life and we need to realize that we'll not always be consistently happy and that's, that's okay. And sadness can actually be a great thing. It was one of the most transformative periods of my life. It was one of the hardest times in my life. Uh, and I will get into that in a second. But it was also one of the most transformative because I learned so much about my limits, about myself. I learned the importance of taking into account building up mental health tools in my toolbox so that when when life does get hard I have all these things at my hand so that I'm ready to bring out these techniques or this technique and so it's sadness is also so necessary to experience happiness in life it's like the idea of you can't see light without darkness you can't experience happiness without sadness and I think it's so vital that people understand that you will. I promise you now, one thing I can guarantee is that you will experience moments of sadness and depression and anxiety in your life. There's no way of escaping it. So the best thing you can do is acknowledge this will happen and come prepared for the fight by learning and preparing up front and training your mind using these techniques in uh, all of Dr. Leaf's works because you there's no way of escaping it and so just saying that up front that was one of the biggest things that helped me is understanding that it's ebbs and flows but just to to, just to get into my story a little bit uh it started um last year really I and and I didn't realize another point I want to say up front is you won't always and Caroline you can probably speak to this more you won't always realize you're going through a very depressive state or you're in depression until afterwards and I didn't realize how depressed I was until afterwards when I had started doing the mental autopsy that Dr. Leaf had talked about which is again another such a vital key and we'll get into that but the mental autopsy is what helped me realize I was in depression and kind of also helped me figure out some techniques and tools to help prepare myself for next time when life gets tough and I'm going through another spell or something like that. But I didn't actually realize I was depressed at the time when it started. And it definitely wasn't like all of suddenly one day I woke up depressed. It was definitely a progression. And looking back now, I think it really started 
uh, when I, I had been in a relationship for two years uh, and towards the end, it was just very rocky and I fought a lot with my, my ex-boyfriend and it just was very hard on my mental health. And we broke up and I thought I was fine because I was the one who initiated it. So I was all about how I'm strong and independent. I don't need a man. I can do everything. I'm fine. And I did experience a little bit of that loneliness coming out of it, but I kind of just ignored it and suppressed it and kept pushing on with work. And I think that loneliness just kept building up and I never really addressed it. I just kept telling myself, I had this this vision of myself that I'm strong and that I'm not going to let this a man make me feel like this. And I'm not going to let myself seem weak that I'm a, this poor girl who broke up with a boy and now I'm sad. I, I didn't want that. I had this image of myself. Again, I think this was one of the reasons that contributed and that may contribute to some other people's mental health struggles is we have these these images of ourselves that we paint that aren't accurate and we tie so many things to them. And often that can be what is causing a lot of issues because we're so stuck in this image. Like I thought I had to be strong and admitting that I was lonely and sad was a weak thing. And so I didn't want to do that. And so I just kept suppressing it and covering that up by increasing work and just socializing and ignoring that. So I think that kind of was one of the starting points. If I had to give a definitive starting point again, you know, life is just, these things are, they build on each other, but it definitely started getting worse than how my emotional state because I didn't want to acknowledge it. And at the same time, we were started facing some major issues with one of the projects we were working on in the business that I was really invested in that was kind of my baby. And we, I just, my heart and soul was in this and it still is. And uh, we were just we were betrayed by some people and led astray and given bad advice. And I felt very betrayed, but I didn't actually do a mental autopsy in these feelings. I didn't actually stop and ever ask, why am I sad? You know, I didn't go through the why questions. I didn't stop and say, why am I sad? Why do I feel like this? Why, why do I feel hurt? Why am I having these reactions? So that with the loneliness as well, I think those were the two big, and I also, I definitely think I was just pushing myself harder and harder because we were on deadlines. I set so many unrealistic deadlines for myself and for our team and just thought that I could do this all and take on all these things and not really take into account my physical health. I also started studying for the GRE, which was a big time commitment and stressful because I had I had, have not done math since college and I basically forgot what algebra was. So I had to relearn all of that. Uh, so I basically ignored all these these signs or these things going on in my life and suppressed them because I really do think it comes down to this false or this incorrect identity I built up around myself and at the same time you know mom we we talked a lot about um about physical warning signals and how we need to really take into account these physical and emotional warning signals that are going on in our life rather than just popping a pill and and I didn't I I was I looking back now I see that I started getting a lot more migraines 
And that's always been my sensitive point when I'm stressed, I get migraines. And I ignored these and just was upping my dose of Excedrin. And I also was having a lot more IBS issues. And I was putting on weight and I don't know why. I just, I was working out, eating a really healthy diet, but I just kept putting on weight. And I felt just so bloated and heavy. And my skin was going crazy and I was, my hair was falling out. And I just kept ignoring these things. I just was like, no, I just have to keep pushing. I have to keep pushing because eventually it'll be fine and we'll get through this. And I was, I was also using my work as a way of hiding a lot of my loneliness pain. I kept pushing myself as a way of hiding a lot of the internal struggles. So in a recent podcast you did with Mark Metry, he talked about how he used food and video games to hide a lot of his internal struggles and to mask that. I think my addiction was work. My addiction was, if I, and, it's, and this is always, I've realized been an issue in my life. I kind of mask a lot of my internal insecurities or issues by just pushing myself harder at work because I know that's something I can, in a sense, can control. I did that with grades. I did that with school. I kept pushing myself whenever things were tough. And I would always, I would have this mindset so yeah, I, I just to go back, I ignored all these physical and warning, emotional warning signals that, let me tell you, when you are noticing that you're getting more headaches, or you are noticing that you are struggling with your weight, but you're eating healthy, and there's all these, these physical things going on, or maybe you just feel more irritable and snappy and just tired, don't ignore that because those are such vital signals that something is going on. And... I also another thing I want to bring up that I'm uh, that I noticed looking back now that contributed to depression the depression in my life was I didn't give myself enough thinker moments and Mama know again this is something you talk so much about I didn't stop and let myself just think and analyze why am I having headaches more or why am I so irritable I didn't stop and ever think because I just had I had to keep going I had to keep I had to try and align my, I had to keep following this, this identity that I had created for myself. And yeah, so I was dealing with loneliness, betrayal, I was burnt out, I had these physical symptoms, I wasn't sleeping well, which, you know, was also a major contributor to that. It's kind of, you know, cyclical, you stress, you don't sleep, you sleep, you increase your stress levels. So this whole terrible loop was I was setting up this loop and I wasn't stopping to ever consider what was going on and I just kept having this mindset and I think this is also something so key that I want people to take away is I had this mindset that if I kept going it will all be fine when the holidays come like if I just keep pushing by the time we because we were planning on going to Paris um, and we did go to Paris for over the Christmas break and I just kept telling myself, I just have to keep pushing for two more weeks and it'll be fine or like a month and it'll be fine. I just have to get through this GRE. But that mindset is so toxic. And if you have that mindset, I encourage you now to stop and reconsider because take it from someone who has had that mindset a lot of my life. It is so detrimental and it will mess up your mental health because by the time you get to the point where it is the holiday or it is the vacation or whatever it is, you are so burnt out and tired, you will not enjoy that holiday. You will not enjoy that vacation. 
all you all I wanted to do was sleep. I was in Paris over Christmas at the most magical time to be in Paris, which sounds so wonderful. And all I wanted to do was get into my own bed, switch off the lights and sleep and just be away from people. And I think that's also uh, for anybody who's ever experienced depression, you can understand that all you want is like you can't even you just feel so flat. You just want to turn off the lights, get in bed. You don't want people talking to you. I try to even watch my funny shows to give myself a break, but even that was too much of an effort. Even taking a walk was an effort. Just everything felt like it was so much. And you don't want to get to that point. And so it, that's why it's so important that you, first of all, never ignore physical and emotional warning signals. Second of all, take start building up a reserve and training your mind in all these mental self-care techniques that Dr. Leaf puts on her social media, that she has in her podcast, that she has in her book, that she has in her Switch app. Because I was fortunate enough to have you as my mom and know these techniques having, having worked in the business that I think that also really helped bring me out of it. And I'm going to talk in a second about how I recovered, but having these mental self-care techniques at my beck and or just, you know, I had trained myself. I was ready in a sense. And even though I went through such a, I went through this dark period where it was so bad. I'm, I, the, the only reason I think I came out of that depression and if I had gone to a psychiatrist, they would have put me on everything. If they had done an evaluation, I would have been on, been on the strongest cocktail. And I'm so glad I didn't because as you said in the beginning, we can't look at this as a disease. If someone had told me I had a broken brain, I would be like, I would be so upset because of the fact that they ignored everything that I just told you. The fact that I had a terrible breakup. I was lonely. I was burnt out. That's not a broken brain. Those were me ignoring what my body needed. That was me having proper mental self-care at the time. That was me trying to deal incorrectly with things going on that I couldn't control. I mean, my relationship with my ex, I'm glad it ended because it was for the best, but it took a toll on me and I didn't realize that. And and I'm so glad for this this time that I went through this depression because I learned so much about how it's so important to acknowledge your feelings and and ignore and really take into account and see how you view yourself. You know, I'm really trying to work on not having this mindset that I have to be tough all the time and that it's okay to admit when something is a burden or it's okay to admit when I'm lonely or sad and loneliness is not a weakness. Loneliness happens. It's not your fault if you're lonely. You know, you sometimes these things just happen like a breakup or that is part of life that's going to happen, but it's how you react to this and deal with it. And, and that's why it's so important. I, I mean, I can talk about loneliness for hours because it's really something that I had to acknowledge that was something in my life. And I, I, I have so much more to say. I don't know if you want to jump in there, mom, and say anything. First of all, your um, vulnerability and authenticity is um, so admirable. You know, I sit here on the other side listening to you and I, I saw you go through how, how painful it was as a parent to watch your child. And, and you know, you even though you were working in the business and you knew what to do, there were times where it was really hard for you to apply these principles and then you made a choice and you started choosing to go through the process of acknowledging instead of suppressing and I think that was key it was key I saw that shift so clearly in you 
Um, you mean you've described this so perfectly. Everything you said is just incredibly perfect. I mean, I, you, I just have to throw in a little bit of mom pride there just to see how you have processed this and gone through it is just incredible. But a big key there was you made a choice to stand back and slow down enough to choose to actually recognize that there's something going on, to respond to those emotional warning signals and to not, you know, in, in the acknowledgement phase. And then you didn't stop there. Because I think for we we quite good, and I think Dom, you can you can attest to this in, in in my own life as well, and then also being a clinical therapist for so many years, and is it's kind of not that difficult once you've um, started acknowledging. We can get into a real acknowledgement. We can start really, yes, I'm doing this, and I can feel that, and you find yourself finding all these things, and look, and you start looking at the emotional and physical warning signals. But the next thing is we have to process it, and that is another choice we have to make. And I saw you go through the acknowledgement phase for quite long, but almost want, would, you'd push it back down again. You'd acknowledge and then you'd sort of sort of acknowledge and then push it it's back down. It's a process. But you it's had a to, process. Yes. It takes so much time. Exactly. And, and so much effort. Mm-hmm. It's so, it takes so much energy. And then you started the processing. And then you started the reconceptualizing. And you're so correct. There was, there's such a big time factor involved. You know, if you've got these patterns that you've set up, mm-hmm. where you, almost, you almost get stuck mentally. And it's almost like you can't see past that one moment in your life. It kind of like defines your life. And you, you, you can, the acknowledgement can sometimes almost keep you stuck unless you prepare to go to mm-hmm. the next stage, which is the processing stage, which is that work and that, and, and the work of, of, of actually getting through it and doing all these different mental self care techniques. As Dominic said, she had to acknowledge the loneliness. She had to acknowledge that she was suppressing, that she was using, she could just be busy, 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 never have a moment to think. Then she couldn't, didn't have to deal with the stuff. She could just pretend it was not there, but you can pretend for so long and your mind is 95% or up to 99% of who you are and your mind is being processed through your brain and your body and your brain and your body can't handle it. So at some point, your brain and your body will start breaking down. Which which happened and and I want to get to that because, but to touch on a point you said about the time and all that, and it, it really does take a lot of energy and effort to start changing your life around. It takes it takes a breaking point and and I'll just say that what, what how I recovered just getting on to now my journey of recovery uh which again is it's still a journey every day I'm learning and growing and I am still working and I still have dark periods but I've learned so much and I'm and I'm thankful for the learning opportunity what if I told you you could Double the power of whatever you drink to wake up and energize your brain. My friends over at Bio Optimizers have created a special recipe for you that helps boost brain performance in the morning. They have a product called Primogen V and then Primogen M. You'll be buzzing without jitters or any negative side effects. And they're running a special promotion for you at www.biooptimizers.com forward slash leaf brain. You can get an additional 20% off from the normal package price with the coupon code DrLeaf20. I it got to a point I will never forget, Mom. We were in the airport on the way to Paris and 
that is when all hell just broke loose for me. It You can only, as you said, you can only suppress for so long. And I thought I was doing a great job. I thought I was fine because I, it would have taken a lot more energy at that point for me to stop and reconsider, which I should have done, but I didn't because it was easier for me to just keep doing what I was doing because I built up this pattern. And so I just remember being in the airport and something had, it was like something just, what's the saying? Uh, this, the, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and I just remember getting this email and I was cry. I just broke down crying and I am an ugly crier. And it was just me sobbing in the airport, my face getting puffy. I didn't have any tissues. So there was just, this is going to be disgusting, but there was just like snot coming everywhere. I just remember sitting in the seats between Jessica and Alexi, your your two other daughters, and we were sitting on one of those three-row seats on the plane, and I had my head down in the middle, and you could just hear me dry heaving, this ugly cry. My head was down, snot was just pouring everywhere, Jessica and Alexi trying to find me tissues. I was using the back of, like, that like little throw up bag they leave in the seats. I was there was my, my, I was using my sweater. It was disgusting. But you know, I just lost it in that moment. And that's what's going to happen if you keep suppressing. It's going to come up in the most inconvenient time. I promise you, you will be somewhere and it'll just something will set you off. And and as terrible as that was, I'm so that crying was so cathartic because I, it was at that point I realized like I can't keep living like this. I need to acknowledge what is going on because leading up to that I kind of almost felt like a zombie I was just going through the routine of doing xyz I had kind of vaguely noticed I was like putting on weight and whatnot but I was like whatever it's fine but I, I was like very robotic I didn't have a lot of emotions that's part of the thing with depression and mom you can speak on how, what, depression and stuff but you know it's very you feel very subdued the whole time like I felt like I just I was like in this fog, this haze. I was just kind of doing things. I didn't, things weren't making me excited. Like I wasn't excited about Paris. I wasn't excited about life. I was just like, blah. I don't even like, I just, it was a fog. And then finally get on this plane. I had this massive breakdown. And that's when I realized I needed to change. And, you know, all of this could have been prevented. Looking back now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty vision. But Looking back, I could have prevented this if I had just taken stock of my emotional and physical warning signals earlier and also how I viewed myself. I don't think it's just emotional warning signals, but it's also so important to check in and do a, a, a scan of how you view your identity. What are things you're holding on to in your identity that are maybe not helpful and are actually very dangerous? Like mine was this idea that I couldn't be weak. I couldn't admit that I was lonely and that a boy had made me feel this way, you know? And so, so that happened at the airport and I, I'm glad that happened. And what started helping with my recovery is first acknowledging it. Like you said, I had to acknowledge that this was going on, that all these things were going on in my life. And so I started talking to my sisters who were on the plane with me. I just started venting to them. I freaked out in the love zone. I was crying. I was swearing. I was throwing snot everywhere. It was just, it was, and then I called one of my best friends um, at the airport because I was like, I just, I need to talk to her because she's always been someone I talked to. So I got on the phone with her and I just cried and spoke to her and then 
saw you and then you and dad we met up at the airport and we just I just spoke to you guys about everything and it just everything just started coming out once it started coming out it was like this floodgate and I and and I acknowledged it but as you said it was a process so I acknowledged it then then we went to Paris and then we came back from Paris and it still took a bit of time for me to keep talking about it and this was I think so the first step was me acknowledging and that was at that airplane acknowledge like acknowledging something had to change but then the process part, processing part, took time. That took at least a few months. Like I remember you and I had it, having multiple conversations. And, I, and throughout this processing part, I still went up and down. I would have a moment where I felt extremely depressed and sad and immobile. And, but I had started the talking part. I had started talking more and more about people. I had started trying to improve some of the other things in my life such as my diet and my sleeping and exercise and uh all these things to try and I actually started you know because as you say the physical is also so important so I really started to try and improve more on my physical and instead of taking excedrin I would work on you know breathing exercises and incorporating more meditation in my day and and just going for walks and things like that and so that was part of my processing uh, part was me talking more to people and working more on my physical and really it takes time and uh at, at the, and if you're not lucky if you're someone who's not lucky to have a, a great family like I do or have a mom who's trained in this and have these resources so readily available I highly encourage get your physical start getting your physical under control by exercising right, eating right, sleeping right, make that a priority because that will help. You may feel like it's these little things are not going to help, like maybe getting an extra hour of sleep or or just an extra half an hour walking. You may think it's not going to make a difference, but I promise you it made the difference for me. Just these little tweaks in my physical. And another th- and that's something you can do, you know, put our podcast on and just go for a walk. Start including more thinker moments in your day. That was vital for me to actually really take some time where I switched off my phone or I would log out of my Instagram and purposely forget like my password on Instagram so that I wouldn't be able to easily get into it, get back onto it without like thinking and just get myself want my, like you say, daydream. I would go for walks and not play anything, no music, nothing, and just walk. And it was so therapeutic for me. That really helped. And like I said, in getting, getting better sleep, really changing my diet up, speaking to a doctor about, what is the best way for my body to eat? Because everyone is so, their bodies are so unique. So there's no one way of eating. We're doing that. And then just, if you don't have someone to talk to, I highly encourage finding a good therapist in your area or uh, really making that. There are so many great tools and resources now out there. And, and one thing, um, Caroline, you know, this is maybe a little preliminary, but working with the Switch app, where we're trying to incorporate more of that kind of reaching out therapist community aspect which will be coming all that will be coming out in 2020 so be on the lookout for that we're we're definitely because I I believe that having that community and having someone to talk to was such a vital part of my healing I'm really pushing to have this incorporated into the app as soon as possible the community aspect where you can meet people talk to people get a coach find someone so that so that definitely is so vital and like I said, yeah, you just, people need to really take into, start really analyzing what are you holding on to in your identity that is not healthy. I had, I took a wrote a note that to myself, because I wanted to remember this because it's so vital, but I had this misguided idea of what hardworking meant. 
And I don't know where it came from. It must have maybe come from just, you know, having you as a mom who's so hardworking and then also having my past experience working at a talent agency where people were expected to push to the breaking point. It was such an unhealthy working experience that that was that was what kind of was built up. And so that was what I thought hard work was, was just pushing to a breaking point and that you can't take breaks because that, you know, if I, I had this like really stupid idea that I kept telling, I remember keep telling myself, if the president can handle all these different things, I can handle this job. Or if, you know, this CEO of this company can handle all these things, I can do it. I'm not handling as much, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not a president. I'm not a CEO. I'm a person and I couldn't handle it, obviously. And I also just thought it was, you know, I can't be weak. I can't cry. I have to be emotionally strong all the time. I have to be strong for you. I have to be strong for my siblings. I have always seen myself as kind of the person who is not the most sympathetic. And I'm working on that. But I always thought my role, and I still do to a point, but I also can see how this can be a bad thing. But I thought my role was, or what I tied to my identity was this idea that I had to be like a pillar for everyone. I had to be this unemotional kind of anchor, if if you think of you know that that imagery, where if people chaos was going on in someone else's life, they could come to me and I would come up with a solution and plan because I'm always like, okay, what's the problem? What's the plan? And in order to do that, you have to completely suppress emotions. I, I thought I had to suppress what I was feeling and have, be strong and for everybody and suppress my emotions so that I can help others deal with their emotions and would take on these burdens that I think I could have not that I should not that I say people shouldn't take on burdens but if you're going to take on a burden you have to do it well otherwise it will crush you Uh, and I don't think people realize that that we definitely should help be there to help each other community support reaching out helping somebody else is so vital Uh, but you have to do it right Otherwise, like I said, it can crush you. You have to put up boundaries in the sense you have to make sure that you have someone who you can talk to. If you're taking on someone's burden and helping them right now through something tough, and I I wanted to get onto this point, but we can just jump into it. But if you're someone who's helping somebody go through depression or anxiety or some sort of mental health struggle or some other struggle, don't avoid taking on that burden, especially if you're a mom, a sibling, a parent. Because that is, that's kind of your job. I'm sorry, like if you're required as a mom or a sister or a brother, that is what family's about. And you need to take on that. You need to be there to help. But at the same time, set up safeguards so that your mental health is protected. And one thing you can do is make sure you have someone else to talk to. Like I should have, while I was helping people through their struggles, I needed to have someone to talk to. And that is so vital because you need, even if you vent and gossip and just get it out, just get it out of you and unload on someone else. So make sure you have someone to talk to and also make sure that you're taking care of your, again, your physical and taking these thinker moments as you're helping someone through a a hard time because you need to make sure your mental health is in a good place so you can help the other person and then set up boundaries. You know, you may not always be able to immediately be at beck and call unless it's like at that vital period where they may be so dark that you worry they're suicidal or then I understand where it's like you should have your phone on at all times. But at the same time, 
when they're starting to recover and you're noticing a little better, maybe pull back a little, make sure that you set up boundaries like and have other people in place. Like it's a team effort. Again, like mm-hmm. you can't it takes a village. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't one person can't take on everything. That's again like it's that if you're gonna help someone through a tough time, make sure that you have like a tag team, like a relay, like I can tag you out and the next person jumps in and another person tags other person and jumps in and helps the one person who's really struggling. Because that way will also help with burnout. Because if you don't do these, you start resenting the person who you're trying to help. Because you see, you know, and it's it, you can't then help them very well. And then your mental health gets messed up more. And then you're going to go through a really tough time. And so community is vital, but it's also setting up these safeguards in place. Another thing I had to start realizing is that it's it's okay to delegate tasks. And it's okay to ask for help. Uh, To that point, I want to say that I think that's, I've always had an issue with these kind of self-help motivational podcast ideas, mom, and you and I have had these conversations so much about how in these podcasts and books and stuff, it's like, it's like, no, if you just believe you can achieve, or if you just say enough positive affirmations, or if you just try hard enough, or if you just... Get, you know keep pushing like no you shouldn't you, you should band-aid yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's a band-aid and you shouldn't sometimes you shouldn't keep pushing you you need to stop pushing I mean if you think about it I, I work out a lot and it's always been a very uh, therapeutic thing for me but if your knee is hurting the worst thing you can do is keep pushing if you are feeling some sort of a pain somewhere in your physical body any trainer any person will say okay dial it down let's figure out what the cause is and because if you don't do that, you will damage your body. And I've done this. I ran uh, recently, I was training for a race and I kept pushing, even though I started feeling pain in my foot and I kept pushing myself and I was like, oh no, go away. I'll be fine. I'm strong. Eventually I damaged my foot so much. I couldn't run for like months afterwards. And I had to like take it easy and I couldn't do anything. And and it's the same thing with, you know, you can't just keep slapping on a positive affirmation and thinking it's going to be okay. You can't just keep doing these things you have I, I I hate the idea that it's like you have to keep push sometimes it's okay to just break and stop and examine your thinking examine your identity examine your physical and warning signals and examine where you are in life and examine what kind of things you're holding on to in your identity and be compassionate and kind to yourself and and take those ta- those breaks because they're so vital and I that mom that's something you and I are both learning is you have to take these breaks and uh, give your, and it's okay. You don't have to keep pushing and be perfect. And everyone says that like, oh, you don't have to be perfect all the time. But do you actually, or you don't have to be like on all the time. Or you don't have to, people are like, oh, give yourself some time and mental self-care. But are you actually applying that in your life? Are, are you doing that in your life? Are you actually having compassion on yourself? Are you actually giving yourself time to rest? And the last, uh, one other thing I want to say mom i'm sure you have so many points that you want to add no you've done so well you've really well, one done thing so I well say, and we talk about this a lot is the reconceptualizing and so as i was processing it part of my processing was the reconceptualizing and i had to see i had to look at everything as i was talking and it be, i promise you you may think if you're in a bad place right now you may think i'll never get to this point but I just take one small step, just make one incremental little change. And these all these little incremental changes will help you get to a point where you can start reconceptualizing.
We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. But even if we really try hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. I chose to take Ritual because after extensive research on the best multivitamins and supplements, Ritual was the clear winner. Ritual also makes getting all my nutrients simple and since taking Essential for Women, I have noticed an improvement in my mood, sleep, skin and hair quality. And right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. You know I talk a lot about how important the types of food you consume can contribute to your brain and overall health. And tea has been shown to really boost brain health, contribute to longevity, and also help reduce anxiety. Ever since I've discovered peak tea crystals, I now incorporate at least a cup of tea into my daily routine. And it's really been helping improve my mental health. Get up to 20% off their teas and free shipping by going to peaktea.life slash drleaf or Check the show notes for my special discount. So even if it's just crying or allowing yourself a break or taking care of something physical in your life or just talking to someone or just sitting with someone and hugging them or something like that, you know, small little things add up and eventually you'll get to the point where you're ready to reconceptualize and go from there. And part of my reconceptualizing was seeing this period as a time of growth for me and the most one of the best learning experiences I think that if you have the mindset if you develop and have a mindset now this is something that I think everyone needs in their life is this curious mindset where you want to learn and grow no matter what no matter how hard life is or tough or bad or something bad happens or whatever, you always are curious to learn about how you, what didn't work, what can work, what your triggers are, just being curious to having that ask, answer, discuss mentality and that question and answer, that Socratic method, looking at something, analyzing, being curious, seeking answers. I think that was one of the biggest things that helped me in the reconceptualizing and moving forward process and healing process was just being curious about, okay, so this bad thing happened, the, all, these, all these bad things happened, this whole bad period happened, what can I learn from it? What are my triggers? What are bad patterns that are, I've set up in my life? How, um, can, well, I did a mental autopsy, I looked at what was my thinking, also what are the physical warning signals that apply personally to me, like the migraines. When I start getting a lot of migraines now, I immediately stop and have to question, okay, what is going on in my life that I need to address now? And maybe it's sometimes me just staring at a computer, but even that it is a sign that maybe I need to step back and not stare at a computer so much and be outside a little bit more. Uh, also, my um, hair was falling out and sometimes I have to, st- you know, looking back, I had to, you know, these things, just taking into account doing the mental autopsy, being curious, 
of and and you can only really start being curious and having this learner mindset once you've acknowledged and processed because that acknowledge and process part and and it's also part of the process part these these little stages and steps all kind of blend into one but you you won't be able to get to the healing process if you don't go through the ugly and then acknowledging and the breaking point and the crying and be prepared for all that that needs to happen so you get to a point where you can talk about these things and look back and be like okay this is what i was doing wrong and that's why i love your app switch because it it Mm. teaches you to do this it makes it a habit like now Mm -hmm. that it's become a habit in my life to be able to recognize and reconceptualize and acknowledge and write down and keep a journal and all these things it's it's so it's so vital and uh so all that happened and I processed and I had to look at what I learned I couldn't allow myself to feel guilty or ashamed for what happened because I didn't want to get stuck in that what happened happened there's no Mm. point crying over spilled milk what happened happened Mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful because it was a great learning experience I learned about all these things about my physical and mental Mm. I learned what I can do my limitations I learned how important it I, I also just learned that depression I think like I said the biggest thing I said at the beginning of this podcast is depression comes and goes I learned that and it was so vital Mm -hmm. so next time it happens and 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 I did actually go through another recent spell I want to say and but because I had gone through the bad stuff last year and had had all these mental things in place or all these tools in place Mm -hmm. and ready I think my period of depression actually was a lot shorter. I mean, there's no way of me scientifically analyzing this, but just personal experience. I definitely think, you know, this just recently, uh, I, again, we were having some issues with one of the, the projects we were working on that was like my personal baby. And I felt so invested in it. And there was just a lot of stuff. And I wasn't, I, again, started slipping down and not taking stock of my mental and physical and all these things. And so it was kind of spiraling. And then they got, but I managed to catch myself a lot quicker. Mm. I noticed things quicker. I managed to put in things in place so that my recovery was quicker. Uh, And also, uh, you know, you're still, you're still going to probably mess up. I promise no matter how many times you have, you go through these things and no matter how much information, Mm. like I have you, I have all these resources. I know everything, but it's no matter, you're still going to mess up and that is okay. So if you're someone who's struggling, Right now, I just want to encourage you and say that you're probably going to mess up and it, you're probably going to be up and down. But I promise you, if you just make that effort, if you just try and tweak a little thing here and there or listen to Caroline's podcast, do the Switch app, get her books, apply these things, listen to these stories, find a support group, or putting all these things in place, it will help and you will get better and better and then you'll probably mess up and then you'll get better and better and then you'll probably mess up and it's just that is that is life there is no way escaping you have to get away from this perfectionist mentality that you have to be that you can't mess up especially when it comes to your mental health you have to realize this is going to happen and and so i was i just remember being in norway Mm -hmm. recently mom and you know how tough that was for me it's it was over my birthday and this was supposed to be such a great time for me and it, it, honestly Norway is absolutely beautiful and I love being out in nature but I was barely sleeping just because of the project we were working on and things were going bad and 
I was up at all hours of the day. So I wasn't sleeping, which again, Mm -hmm. sleep is so vital. I know you've done a few podcasts, Mm -hmm. Mom, on sleep. And we have a few more exciting ones coming up soon on sleep. Uh, But sleep is so vital. Um, Learn everything you can do. Again, take into, take, see what works for you and uh, listen to the podcast and see because that's so vital. But I wasn't sleeping and I started getting migraines again. And, you know, me Mm -hmm. knowing migraines are one of the physical warning signals. I started to realize, okay, something's going wrong. I need to sleep. But at the same time, I was dealing with like some other personal stuff in my life that was really impacting me. And that was also adding to my migraines. And I just remember they got to a point again in Norway. I was ignoring the physical. I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting migraines. I should slow down. I know this is a normal sign for me. But I kept pushing. Again, I made that mistake that I always do. Not always do. I don't mm. want to say always. But I had this mentality that like, sort of yeah, that, pattern, that bad habit came up again. And I was like, oh, I need to just keep pushing. I'll be fine if I just get through this one little hiccup. And then I, I just remember being in the sauna in Norway. In, no, in Finland. So I was in a real, I was in this like, it's just, again, sounds so dreamy. I was in a real Finnish sauna in Finland overlooking whatever ocean. I think it's the Baltic or something like that beautiful just you know saunas are supposed to be really relaxing i had a glass of wine it was just like the perfect setting but something triggered me and i just had that same breakdown i had on that airplane where i was just crying there was just snot everywhere i had to go back to our airbnb and i realized that i had again looking back had didn't taken didn't recognize or really um even though i recognized it i didn't acknowledge my physical and emotional warning signals that my body was telling me something but but i will say because i had gone through the really bad depression the not, uh, the year before i recovered a lot quicker this time my recovery was so much quicker and that's part of being an athlete as well like in a physical sense you learn how to recover quicker like when i run now my heart rate is what an like I have an athlete's I was recently measured I have an athlete's heart rate so my I can go very fast and recover extremely fast as well and that's because I've trained my body and so that's what happened by having that depression period the year before and also having all your tools and learning and actually studying them and making them part of my life and being intentional about having them as part of my life my recovery was a lot quicker. So yes, I made um, made some more mistakes and I could have, again, taken stock. But every time it's a little better. Like even now, I started feeling like a few weeks, like last week, I was feeling really burnt out and I started getting headaches again. And I was like, nope, uh, this is, this is, I was, I was so intentional. I was so actually so proud of myself. I, I even told you and dad, I was like, I feel burnt out. I need a break. And I started getting headaches. And so now I've realized that my body was a little burnt out and tired. And instead of keep pushing myself, I'm like, what what doesn't need to be done? What can I delegate? And now I'm like looking for interns and delegating tasks and realizing I don't have to do everything. I and I need to sleep more. I need to watch some more TV. I need to take more time, take walks. And this may just be for a little, like a week or so that I need to just dial down. But then I'll come back stronger because I've recovered. And so that's that's the process. And that's why it's so important that you are constantly learning, having this infinite learner, curious mindset about what went wrong and how to improve yourself 
listening to podcasts, particularly your podcast and reading your books and doing the switch up and learning how to better my life and not just listening, but actually absorbing that information and seeing how you can apply it to your life. So, you know, you can read all the self-help books, listen to all the self-help podcasts, but until you actually start intentionally seeing how the concepts play a part in your life and how you and actually thinking about how you're going to apply this one particular tip when you're faced with that trigger or something like that seeing how actually seeing it and imagining it uh visualizing how it's going to play in your life you're not going to apply it so it's not just about listening and absorbing you have to see and be intentional and mom you've talked about how like this is part of your five-step process you can't or just how memory is built and how best to uh, learn stuff and keep it in your memory you have to l- absorb the information ask on to discuss the information see how it applies in your life and start making it a habit because when life gets hard and tough you want to be able to draw on these habits these good habits you've developed when life was good and so while so that's why it's so important to build up your stress resilience pre when you're going through a period of good times when when you're on the peak because life is valleys and valleys and peaks so when you're going through a peak so maybe you you feel life is good right now start memorizing mental self-care techniques and tips go on dr lee's social media listen to a podcast start memorizing these techniques and learning them and applying them in your life and making them habits because when you suddenly hit your valley which is going to be coming you have all these things in place and your brain because your brain is using so much energy your mind and brain are using so much energy already to like just deal with whatever the external and internal problems are you want to have these easy habits that easy good habits that your brain instantly goes to because it takes less energy than it's because you've already made it a habit so it's not like you have to try as hard and that's the whole point about building up stress resilience is building up these things pre the issue coming, making them habits so that it takes less energy to draw on. Uh, so, I mean, Kara, I don't know, mom, if you want to say anything more. You know, beautiful. Honestly, Dominique, how you've expressed that and, and your vulnerability, authenticity, what you said, I know it's helping so many people. And I'm, as I said, it's, it's int- I'm intensely proud of how you've handled the situation. I've watched you through this. And it's the greatest compliment to any parent that their child actually applies a few of the techniques that they, all a bit of the worldly advice, I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the wisdom and advice that the parent has gained, but even more so is how you've invested um, and really use these techniques. You know, I use them. Mac uses them. Your father, my husband. Uh, my other kids, we, we live this life. We, we, we talk these things through. Every single thing that I develop and that I've been working on for 30 years, my kids have grown up with. And they have been my greatest critics and have told me this will never work. This works. They've tried it. They've said, I'm not going to try it. Then they've tried it. And then they've helped me redesign it. And, you know, Dominique's story is, is one of com- complete and utter honesty and authenticity about how she's actually got through. And it speaks to to the resilience of the human psyche and working in South Africa in some of the most broken environments with people that were so politically oppressed and so traumatized and so broken and spending three days a week in poverty, impoverished communities and people that have been raped and abused. I've seen extreme trauma. I haven't done my research in the laboratory. I have seen and immersed myself 
in extreme trauma. And that's been depressing in itself. And I've had to learn to manage. My husband, Matt, used to be an alcoholic. I had to learn to manage that and he changed. So these principles that you hear Dominique talking through with such passion, she's lived this and she's chosen to apply these in her life. And as she quite rightly says, we're all still going through this. So am I, so is she. But the difference is that we actually have a management tool. And if you consider the fact that 75% of, of, a life, of diseases are basically coming from our lifestyle and things like the migraines and things like Dominique said, we see from the science that, 70, uh, that 95% of these are coming from our lifestyle. And when we think, what is lifestyle? Lifestyle, immediately people will answer and say, oh, well, it's your diet, your exercise, how much you're sleeping and how you're managing stressors. And they correct, but those are actually driven by something else. Your choice of what you eat, your choice of how you exercise, your choice of how you manage your acute and chronic stressors, and your choice of how you're going to manage your sleeping pattern is all based on how you are thinking, feeling, and choosing, which is your mind. And what we need to recognize is that we can't just focus on the external, physical, extrinsic, and Dominique's explained it so beautifully with her examples. We have to focus on our mind. Why am I in this place? What is my body telling me? What is the depression telling me? What is the emotional and physical warning signal telling me? And not being frightened of that, but actually celebrating and embracing any experience that you have that is physically and emotionally demanding of your time. So something like depression is, something like a migraine is. These are things that are disrupting your daily focus, your daily flow, your daily doing whatever it is that you have to do. And as Dominique explained, if you suppress those, you will reach a threshold. Your brain and your body cannot keep going. Your mind is working through your brain. The 95 to 99% is working through your brain and your body. So if you keep pushing the wrong signals, if you keep suppressing and, and you're not dealing with the, the, the issues, as Dom explained, you, you push that into your body. Your body is actually getting hammered by bunches and bunches of of toxic quantum energy, and eventually your body will break. You reach a threshold. We all have a threshold. As Dom explained, her threshold happened when she was on the plane to Paris. Um, and so, and, and the second time when she was in that sauna in, in Norway. So, um, so basically we, in Finland, sorry. So basically we need to recognize that the behind the lifestyle, behind my choices to manage my stressors or not manage is me, is myself, is my mind, is the thinking, feeling, choosing mind component. So when I talk about mind, it's the 95 to 99% thinking, feeling, choosing behind the choice of what you eat. The 95 to 99% thinking, feeling, choosing behind the choice to exercise or not. Behind the management that you have in place or don't have in place for the acute stress or the, the, the mind management that you have in place for the chronic stressors which are there. These are all there. You're not going to get away from this. You, you, you have to deal with these. So what we need to start addressing in this day and age, which is not being addressed sufficiently, which is what we are addressing through this podcast, through my Switch app, through my books, through everything we do as an organization, that is totally, it's just not dealt with. Mind management is critical. 95% of lifestyle diseases are coming from mismanagement of mind. And when Dom talks about building up and having that resilience in place for when the bad times come, because they will, because it's the human condition, because you can't control events and circumstances of life, it's going to happen. You, you need to have that resilience inside of you built up. We need to have these techniques. And as Dominique has said, in her healing process, she went through a three-phase process. And that was acknowledgement, 
It was processing, so acknowledging there's something going on, going through the time, the processing, which took time, and then reconceptualizing. And all of that I have built into my app called Switch, which is five steps that are based on how the brain responds to the mind and how the brain rewires in response to the mind. So those three phases of acknowledgement, processing, and reconceptualization are built into five very scientific steps that are very easy to apply in an audio-driven app where I'm literally giving you therapy. And this is not a one-off situation. This is a lifestyle that we're talking about. It's, it's you learning to manage your mind, to change your lifestyle, to change how you manage your diet, exercise, sleep, and acute and daily stressors. It's total mind management. And to that end, we're very excited because we really are building everything I've ever developed in research. And as I continue to learn and do clinical trials, which I'm doing, I'm learning new ways of helping. And we're building all of that into this platform. Yeah, it's really exciting, this app. I mean, you're doing, what, many audios on how to deal with panic attacks, uh, gu- audio guides for helping. Anxiety. Yeah, audio little. How to mm-hmm. help, Go ahead. How to help teenager, how to help you in a crisis moment, how to deal with like going, just all that the, the, the crises of life. If you are in an emergency situation, if you've got a, um, a potential suicide or you've got a potential major crisis or a financial crisis, those in-the-moment crises, those acute stressors, in other words, we are going to be building in guided meditations to help in the acute stressors, the big stuff, and then also in the day-to-day. How do I manage the day-to-day, the multiple emails, the multiple demands? How do I fit a think-a-moment in my day? Dominic spoke about think-a-moments. You know, your brain gets tired. Your brain is, is not as strong as your mind. Your mind goes at a, it goes nine, it's going 24-7. Your, your brain has to stop and rest. It, it doesn't have the same energy. It's 1% versus 99. So with, without those daydream moments, as Dominic said, she was avoiding in her life, and I've done that too, you're not going to give your brain the physical rest. And if your brain's physically tired, you're going to feel depressed. So it's little things like that that, we, that, that are so simple to apply, but sometimes you know, the discipline of choosing to apply them is in this day and age where we Dominique, I'm sure you agree with me. We've discussed this so often. It's so much easier just to, you know, follow a diet plan or follow an exercise plan or take a pill because those are like external band-aids, throw on a positive affirmation. The problem is the issue's still there. It's a festering wound and no amount of band-aid in, in the in this sense of diet, exercise, positive affirmation, Even scriptures, whatever Even with meditation those. and all those breathing things, you know, people say they are great for helping you maybe calm down in the moment, but if you're not dealing with the underlying issue you're still going to have major issues. And and you and if you never acknowledge the underlying issue, you're never going to learn. You're exactly. never going to learn what the triggers are. You're never going to learn what to do next time when it comes up. Which is brilliant. And that's where we talk so much about the mental autopsy, how Dominic said she applied what she learned in that situation to the next situation to the next situation. And each time you're getting better. And it's not doesn't mean it's never going to go away. That's why it's a lifestyle. But that mental autopsy helps you to train yourself to find out the, the emotional warning. How to man- yeah, how to manage next time. And honestly, I, I want people to know that having a period of depression is not a, like, uh, just reemphasizing when you said it's not a disease. It's almost just like kind of having a bit of, it's, yeah, it's normal. It's like having a bit of like a, a cold or something, you know, like where it's like very temporary, but you don't need, you don't need medication. You need to deal with what's going on. And numbing, numbing would not have, I, I don't think it would have, I definitely, I know it would not have helped me. And I would have missed out on such a valuable opportunity to learn and grow as a human and to, 
you know, even develop better relationships with people in my life because of that experience. Like my relationship with all of you got even stronger and better because of the fact that I went through this. We went through this issue together and we spoke about it and we helped each other. And like you guys also learned how to help other people through being part of my experience. And uh, one thing I wanted to say before I forget, and then I'll let you continue. Sorry. <laughs> um, I just want to say this before I forget. But if you're helping someone who's going through a tough time right now, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, maybe they're going through depression, maybe it's a sister or mom going through depression or something like that. One thing you can really do that I noticed really helped me a lot get to a point where I can start acknowledging and processing and reconceptualizing was not having people trying to give me advice on how to do it. Mm, uh, Mom, you so never good. like shoved advice down, which I appreciate so much. You, I knew everything because of the fact of working for the company and just being around all your work and stuff. I knew all this stuff, but you never were like, well, this is what you do when you're depressed. Or you never said to me, depression's just a disease. I mean, just a temporary, it's not a disease, all these things. You never said these things to me. You sat with me. You let me cry. You let me do my ugly snot filled crying you let you just said oh I'm sorry Dominic that's terrible tell me more and you just sat there and so did Jessica and Alexi they were so good and dad just like sitting there and hugging me and be like just just talk about it you guys let me swear and freak out and cry and just get it out and you just sat there and even when I didn't feel like talking and I was just through a really I was just very irritable or grumpy or moody you guys were patient with me and once you really knew what was going on, because you started picking up on the signs that I was depressed, you guys became even more patient. And that, I know that's, again, a hard thing when, as maybe as a family member, you have like a, a sibling or whatnot, or a child who's just so irritable and grumpy and mean, and they're just hard to be around with. Instead of taking that personal and be like, oh, they're just always so grumpy and mean to me and say all these terrible things to me. Take that, because that's a, that's a that's a warning signal, and and the person who's grumpy and mean, whatever, may not recognize what they're doing. You recognize it because you're the getting the brunt of the attack or having to deal with the ugliness. So instead of seeing it as like an attack against you, seeing it as your issue, don't take it on as your personal thing. Be like, oh, this person, this is not who they are. I know this is not who they are. So clearly something is going on in their life. And instead of me being all offended, I'm going to try and be patient, which is hard, but it's a great opportunity to work on patience. I'm going to save all my complaining about the issue to when I talk to somebody else. And I'm just going to sit there and listen and love and not, I'm going to put aside my own personal view, my own personal opinion and just ask them, how can I help? Are you okay? Is there anything I can help with? Even if it's, you don't even have to always do that. You could also just maybe one thing, say nothing. Just sit with them and hold their hand. Watch TV with them. Put away your phone and sit with them. Maybe just have more meals with them. Kind of do something fun with them. Like Be like, hey, let's go for a walk. Or hey, you want to watch TV? Or hey, you want to do something like this? And just be with them. Be present. That shared experience, I, I, re I remember reading a study recently about how when we share as humans, when we share experiences, the good experiences 
are so much more amplified when you share it with somebody. So it could be just simply something as like baking a cake, which is fun, you know, like baking a nice keto cake or something. Just that experience of doing it with someone makes that experience itself so much better. And that, you know, can do something with the hormones and you can speak more about the hormones and stuff, but that probably helps lower cortisol and that helps get a person to a place where they are more happy and starting to recognize and deal. And and so maybe someone is so grumpy and mean and terrible to be around at the moment, but just push through that and be patient and try and do some more fun things, find out what they like to do. So for like me, I love working out and just having someone to walk with, or I love uh, now, not all the time, but now and then I love to like bake my little keto brownies or whatever. And having someone to do that with is great. Or just, I, I just will never forget being on that airplane and Jessica and Alexi just like hugging me and, and try, Alexi trying to get up and find me tissues, even though we weren't allowed to get up. And um, Jessica just hugging me and trying to like... And Jessica crying with you. <laughs> Jessica crying with me and like ripping up the paper off the back of like magazines to give me as tissue, to let me use as tissues. And, and then, you know, just having you guys be so patient and calm. And I'm sure, you know, I was so... I, I'm sure it was not easy. I was not an easy person to be around at that time because... Because I would, I mean, I was irritable and grumpy and snappy and moody. But you guys were patient. And I'm sure you had your, you, there were moments you got so annoyed with me. But just having that patience and sitting with me and not forcing advice down my throat and then doing fun things with me got me to open up and acknowledge and process. That really is what helped me get from that point of, where I recognize, we got me to the point where I was recognized. It helped me on the journey of recognizing, processing, and reconceptualizing. I remember that. I remember one day when we were in Paris. It was the Saturday specifically, and find that shop that makes organic croissants. And we went and we just sat there eating organic croissants and organic uh, beignets. Do you remember that? And it was just that shared experience. And suddenly, all of us were just. We were very full afterwards. We were very happy too. It was that shared experience and. Just what you said is, you know, that what Dominique is saying is, is vital. If there's one thing, and I've made this mistake, there have been times when I have had to stop myself giving advice and, you know, be, make sure that I stay, still stay mom and not become the therapist and wait for them to ask me for advice. And this is so easy because, you know, to, to jump in and tell someone what to do, especially because you're not there, you think that you can identify with the experience, but you can't. What you have to recognize, no matter how well you know your child, your husband, your friend, or as a therapist, if it's a client that you're working with, you don't know what they're going through. And to even assume that, oh, well, that's not so bad. Or, you know, if you look at it from your angle, you're not doing a good job. You have to forget all about yourself and you cannot put any kind of judgment on that situation or how they are seeing or managing that situation. You literally have to switch off to yourself and switch on to that person. So, you know, there's like three, if I had to summarize what Dominique's saying in terms of that community aspect in this whole discussion now of, of the listening and the support and the caring and, and um, so on, we have to notice each other. And that means you have to tune out of yourself and tune into your into your loved ones and your colleagues and so on. The second thing is the listening that Dominique described so beautifully. When you listen, you don't listen with your own stories in mind. You listen completely emptying yourself and tuning into the other person. You're listening, you're being present. You are totally and utterly switching off to yourself. I can't stress that enough. 
And then also it's solving together. So it's three aspects. You've got to notice, you've got to listen, and you've got to solve together. So the solving together part is if someone asks you for advice, that's when you give, but you don't give until. And then you always make sure, is it okay? Can I say this? Is this? Does this make sense for you? Can I say it in another way? So not, this is what you must do. Never tell someone what they should do. Just say, here's something that maybe you could look at it from this angle. And that helps you with the reconceptualization process, helps you get another perspective. You know, so that's, Dominic, we should do another podcast just on listening. I, I think, think it's, so. It's and and, and I, I want to say one more point to what your, your last point about how to like, you know, um, ask and talk to somebody who's going through something. One thing you I found helpful as well in the way you guys communicated with me was just phrasing everything as, oh, you're irritable. Not saying that, but instead rather saying something like, just as, just as an example, you, I, I can't remember who it was, but this stood out to me was someone came up to me and they're like, I could, this is what, how they worded it. They're like, I could have be totally misunderstanding you and missing out on something, but you just seem a little bit more irritable lately. And I'm very concerned because I know that's not you. And I just want to see if everything's okay and if there's anything I can help with. And the phrase, the way phrasing it like that, where it's not, you don't put the other person on the defense. I th- I'm pretty sure it was you, yeah. It's, you don't put the person on the defense that they, but they, they feel like they have to now defend themselves. And so they're not going to open up. If you feel like you have to defend yourself, you're not going to be honest and open. And No, you're just going to fight back. Exactly. And, and that's, that way of phrasing things is so much more caring. So it's also just about how you, you phrase the way you communicate with someone who's struggling, you know, especially if they really are going through some deep depression where they may honestly not get out of bed, then just get into bed with them and, and, you know, talk to them and try and see what, do something that they love, that you know they love. And maybe it's knitting, maybe go buy some really great knitting stuff and go sit on the bed and knit in the dark together. I don't know, something, you know, sometimes that's all that is needed to start the healing process. You don't, I, I think sometimes people feel like they have to give advice. Otherwise, they're not doing, they're not being helpful. But you don't have to. Honestly, sometimes advice is more detrimental than it is helpful. And I uh, definitely think we can talk a lot more about this and we probably should wrap it up. Absolutely. Well, we've triggered some really great topics and I think we'll brainstorm that and, and dive deep into those. And just on that last note, I'd love to just comment on the fact that the knitting needles comment just made me think of the fact that, you know, if you jump into bed knitting in the middle of the night with the darkness around you, what you've done is you've valued the person. You've said to them, I value you. I, I value you. Advising someone, we, we know it comes from a good place because you want to help, but actually it's kind of almost like devaluing that person's experience. And, and I think it's very, very important that we always remember to value that person's experience, even if you can't understand it. It's not about you understanding it. It's about you valuing the person's understanding of what they're going through. And I'm sure there's some sort of quantum physics mm. science thing behind that because, you know, maybe, and mom, I definitely would love to hear your opinion on this, but just like valuing, when you value that person, you're creating that electrical, chemical, whatever, photon energy between exactly. people. And I'm sure that does something to boost our happiness or lower cortisol. I mean, is there anything you can say on to that point? Oh, absolutely. So we do emit photons and those photons of energy come from um, all the thoughts that are in our head that generate energy and that then send a stream of energy through our whole body. So literally when you are reaching out and loving someone else, you are pouring, literally pouring healing 
water onto a plant that's think of a plant that's not that's in it that doesn't have enough water and then you come and you start putting water on it and feeding it and that changes that's what you're doing you you're sending out waves of energy that quantum physics shows us are have a different frequency to the waves of energy that are if you're irritated or frustrated or controlling or any of the negative emotions and those then go in are like a balm literally like a balm to your brain and your mind and it creates a very positive feedback loop and it changes the way that your waves move in your brain so the electrical response of your neurons will change i mean this is another whole discussion so it's just probably boost serotonin which is i mean i don't know if you can speak to that briefly boost your serotonin and it drops your cortisol boost your serotonin which is a feel good which is what you need when you're depressed going through depression you need your serotonin boost you don't need an s what are they called sris or something like that you just need someone to value you Exactly, because the SSRI is a false chemical that actually disturbs brain function and balance. Whereas if you're loving someone, you release a flood of neuro- of serotonin from the gut because that's where 95% of it is and it flows up and into your brain and immediately changes and it releases another hormone, which is called anandamide. And that's called the bliss hormone. And it's kind of like a high, like if someone's taking a psychoactive substance and they get on a high, like the THC, THC in, in um, cannabis, for example, it can actually make you um, high at the same receptor in your brain so we have a natural form of going high which is a healthy high that actually comes from just the human connection that you've been describing this notice listen and solve the problem together and that's key that that third element solve the problem together don't solve the problem for the person oh yeah i know that's the worst thing you can do is either try and solve the problem for the person and if you're the person struggling don't think you have to solve it yourself that's like the dumbest thing you can do let me tell you i try to do that and it messed me up and it made things worse because I try to solve issues by myself. Because then you don't have perspective, you don't have clarity because exactly. everything just seems so much more worse. Exactly. And, and you may be missing out on some vital information or just talking to a person about a problem gives you gives you perspective, but also you may they may propose an idea you never thought about and or a way of dealing that you never thought about. And and that's why it's so vital that you if you're someone like me, do not think it is a good thing to keep pushing and that you have to be this strong, independent woman or man or whatever that can't admit these things. Because that's actually a very, that's a very toxic, dangerous mindset. And it's, and it's not good. And it's not going to help you. And I promise you it will cause, it will, it will take away from your happiness. And if, you know, ultimately, if you want to be happy, you have to, you have to, you realize you can't, you can't be happy by your, just, Happiness doesn't come from being completely, come being an individual. It comes from community and from being with others. He's a great quantum physicist. He's one of my favorite people. And he always talks about, um, his last name is Fuchs, F-U-C-H-S. And he always talks about, it's not about you, it's about you in the world. And he shows with his work how um, we are actually at our most fundamental level waves of energy, of literally love energy. And as we, and um, without, um, it's, it's like we shrivel up if we're not connected with others in a very, in a constructive and positive way. And that all goes to the loneliness research. So yeah, that, that real connection is, is, is vital for our physical and mental health. There's so much more we can say, Dominique. Let's, let's, I would love it if the listeners would give us a, you know, give us your feedback how on How you this. like this, yeah. How you like this kind of format. And, you know, if you if you have more follow up questions regarding depression or anything that you want us to cover in a follow up episode or, you know, a future episode, be sure to uh, send us an email, send us a message on Instagram. My I I can put my email in the show notes. So if you you have some 
particular follow up questions, or you you have a even if you have a if you have a great story you want to share about how you overcame depression anxiety using Dr. Leaf's methods or any of her tools, I I would love to have that as a podcast episode. I think、mm. that would be so helpful for other listeners to hear how、Fantastic. people overcame their depression and anxiety or something like that. Definitely send us an email.、Uh, like I said, I'll put it in the show notes so you can email me directly. And yeah, if you have any reviews or suggestions. Comments. We always we want to make this podcast helpful, and also I、uh, I would greatly appreciate it if you go onto iTunes wherever you listen, subscribe to this podcast.、Uh, so if you subscribe, it'll help you never miss an episode. It'll basically tell you whenever new episodes are out. You'll get a little alert, and also. When you subscribe and leave a review, it boosts our rankings on iTunes, which allows more people to find this podcast and get the help they may desperately need. So leave us a review.、Um, even in the reviews, you can include suggestions. You can include topic suggestions. What you loved, what you, the key takeaways you had. Share on social media. Repost it.、Uh, I know Dr. Leaf loves seeing all your. Posts and comments about podcasts, and she loves resharing it and seeing what you learned and your key takeaways. And、mm, thank you for those who have been listening and sharing and leaving reviews and sharing with friends and family. That's honestly so great, and we just want to make sure this podcast is a—it's honestly a free resource that will help transform your life. This everything Doctor Leaf Mom talks about. I promise you, it works.、Mm-hmm. It it got me through some of the darkest times in my life. It's not just nice to know stuff. It will it will help you. It will change your life. You just have to be intentional about getting the information, getting the knowledge, and applying it in your life.、Uh, so, on that note,、uh, Caroline, Mom, do you have anything you want to wrap up with before we end this? Well, I just love this, and I love. Doing this with you, and and it was lovely to have you with me on the show instead of behind the show, and doing all, all the great work that you do. And I just want to thank you for that. And and I know that your story and vulnerability and authenticity has has helped so many people. And thank you for what you have taught me. So thank you all for listening in. Um, we're so excited to be able to share mind management help for all of you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then. I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself. 
and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.